Blog Talk Radio.
everyone, and welcome to The Wisdom of Spirit with Rose and Winterbrook. I am solo tonight because my uh, co-host, Winterbrook Ryan, is doing her mediumship demonstration over at the Long Beach Library, and she starts at 7.30 p.m., so if any of you want to run on over there, you got a half an hour via the Long Beach Public Library, and you will catch Winterbrook Ryan doing a mediumship demonstration there and possibly get some uh, messages or a message or what have you. Um, she'll be back with us next week. And uh, let me see, next week, I'm not quite sure what we have on board. Let me just check. Uh, let's see. I know on May 18th, stay tuned, we are having as our guest uh, Master Psychic Daniel Ackner, an amazing artist, Daniel Ackner. He's wonderful. He's a psychic. He's a medium. He's a healer. He's an artist. He's absolutely great. Oh, I'm sorry. Next week is uh, the meditation. Yeah, because it's May 4th. Oh, thank God. It's day right after Mercury goes direct. So, yes, next time you hear us on this show, it will be, Winterbrook will be back, and we'll be doing the our monthly meditation. In case you don't know, every month we do a meditation. That's the first Thursday of every month. We're here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and it is our intention to offer you a myriad of spiritual and metaphysical insights to help and guide you in your day-to-day -day living. The topics here include and are not limited to spirit messages and guidance, psychic and mediumship chats, alternative healing modalities, as I said, monthly meditation. We discuss chakras, gemstones, methods of divination, which is the uh, topic for this evening, animal communication, and more. And uh, if you would like more information about me, Rose Jimin as your host, go to www.readingswithrose.com. I do psychic readings by telephone, email, any kind of video chat, and also in person if you're local here on Long Island or even in the area of Queens or what have you. For more information on Winterbrook, go to her website, which is www.winterbrookmedium.com. And you can learn all about my lovely partner, Winterbrook, there and check out her calendar. She has a calendar, and uh, that will tell you about all of her appearances. Now, as I said this evening, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, she's at the Long Beach Library. That's in Long Beach. May 2nd, she's going to be at the Great Neck Library. May 2nd is a Tuesday, so you can catch her there. And also, on Saturday, May 6th, she's going to be doing, I believe it's a workshop at Voice of the Soul with Terry Leone. And if you want to, if you want to um, check that out or be considered or sign up for that, all you got to do is send an email to, it's T... Leone, L-E-O-N-E, one, 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 at gmail.com. Also check out Winterbrook's website and the calendar there. We'll give you a little bit more information about that workshop. Um, so, also, let's see, what else do we have, to, we have on board? Uh, if you want to call in, the number here in the studio is 347-677-06. 99 and if you want to ask a question or chat with me just make sure that you press the number one on your phone and that will light up the uh, button here to let me know that you're waiting in line to talk or you have a question or you'd like a mini read whatever um also since this evening's topic is divination methods and also since we're in the Oh, I wanted to say smack in the middle, but we're not smack in the middle. 
we are at coming to the end of the Mercury retrograde, which started on April 9th, which is ending on May 3rd. That's next Wednesday. I, for one, all the years that I've been uh, living and learning about Mercury retrograde, <laughs> I always give it another couple of days or a week until after Mercury going from retrograde now stationing and going direct. I give it a few days to iron out the wrinkles that have been caused over the past four weeks or so. So May 3rd is a good day. You should look forward to that day. And I wouldn't really do anything until the 5th or 6th as far as like now in the retrograde we don't um, we don't start anything new. We don't sign any contracts. We don't get into anything important, uh, especially involving communication, telephone, email, letter, whatever. Don't go there when, when Mercury's in retrograde. However, afterwards, it's fine to kind of move on with your life that way. So um, May 3rd is the day, and if you hold off a day or two or three even, all the more better. Now, in keeping with the theme of this evening's show, Divination Methods, uh, I decided to pull a rune because runes are a Nordic form of divination, which we'll get into a little bit later. And um, I decided to pull a rune to see what we can look forward to next week. And the rune that I was given by spirit is the, the rune Elwaz. And Elwaz came out upright, which is good, and it shows that you are on the path to your dreams. This is for everybody. The rune that's predicting what's to come next week as we all come out of this retrograde. There may be delays ahead to your plans, and we'll, this may seem to be a hindrance. Some small delay may be a good thing as it will give you time to take a step back and see the bigger picture. You have come a long way, and you need to see any delay as an opportunity to check that everything is in place and that you have all the information which you need to make decisions. Now is the time for review before your journey continues. And see, that's very much in keeping with the Mercury retrograde theme because a lot of people panic, and you really there's nothing to panic about. You just have to look at Mercury retrogrades as a time for you to reflect and have some me time, embrace yourself, nurture yourself, embrace change, catch up on some rest, Utilize this time, these three, four weeks, well. Review things. Go over things and review. Definitely read. Entertain or start to think about new ideas and new ways to tolerate and accept. Ways to open your heart, open your mind. You could also start to generate ideas. You don't have to act on them during a retrograde, but you can generate the ideas and jot them down on a piece of paper also time to yield to the universe, surrender, yield to the universe, just give in, let go, you know, and see what the universe comes back with. More than oftentimes, you're going to be surprised to see what it comes back with, and it's going to be a positive comeback. Allow manifestation, and by all means, do not rush. It's also a great time to end. End those things which no longer serve you. So hopefully you all did some of that in, uh, in the past three, four weeks during this retrograde, and you're on a better path now. So you can... You can, um, you know, it, it, don't look at it as something terrible or horrible or depressing or negative. It's there for you so that you can 
hone yourself, better yourself, do what you need to do, and, and see clearly. And then coming out of the retrograde, like that song, I Can See Clearly Now, you can see clearly, and things will start to move in a better um, direction for you. So that was the rune for next week, coming out of retrograde, and um, things are definitely going to get better. So now, let's see. Tonight's topic, divination methods, okay? And (laughs) I have a gypsy standing next to me, my principal spirit guide, who's all... She's like jumping up and down. She's so happy about this this evening's um, broadcast because traditionally throughout the history, the gypsy people have been associated with fortune-telling. Common methods of fortune-telling include palmistry, tea leaf reading, cardamancy, tarot reading, and crystal ball, amongst others. The gypsies, oh, my grandfather was one, uh, who called themselves Roma, or Romani, are a nomadic culture through which, through history, have been mistreated, discriminated against, and throughout history the gypsy people have been associated with fortune-telling, magic, and shamanism. There are two words which are used by gypsies for fortune-telling. Dukering, which is the modification of a... Vala Kova Shivonian word meaning something spiritual and I'm gonna say this wrong, but Bosht, which is a Persian word meaning or connected to the Sanskrit Bhagya, which means fate. Gypsy fortune telling traditions are much the same everywhere. Gypsy women usually used normal playing cards, which is known as cartomancy, to predict the fortune of a person they were tookering. Whether playing cards were initially intended for fortune-telling or for games is still not known. What we do know is, by the 16th century, normal playing cards were being used for fortune-telling, and by the 18th century... Uh, uh, were used in daily life. History even suggests Napoleon to have consulted the cards on a regular basis. Today, tarot cards are used widely for fortune-telling and divination. In a tarot deck, there are 78 cards, 56 arcana, and 22 major arcana. Tarot cards for fortune-telling and divination. Today's tarot cards are a popular method for fortune-telling, Divination with Gypsy Women. There are various different tarot decks on the market. Ah, God, there are hundreds now. Um, With the three most recognized decks being the Marseille, the Toss, and the Rider Waite. Probably the best known and used is the Rider Waite deck, which was published in 1910. There are two differences, however, with the Rider Waite tarot This is the Justice and Strength cards. By tradition, the Justice card has the number 8, and Strength card has the number 11. However, Arthur Edward Waite reversed this so that the Strength card had the number 8, and the Justice card has the number 11 to fit in with the astrological correlation concluded by the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Readers use tarot cards for fortune-telling and divination. Each reader will have his or her own style and approach. Therefore, two readers may interpret a spread in different ways. Today, tarot cards are a popular means of divination. So, that's, that's, most people know gypsies to do the tarot cards and what have you, and do fortune-telling, etc. Very well known for palm reading. Let's see what other divination. Well, as I said at the beginning of the show, we have runes, and runes are the method of writing used by the Nordic alphabet. Although their origins are uncertain and shrouded in mystery and secrecy, 
It is thought that they were first used in Denmark in the 3rd century. The word rune derives from the Norse word or of runa, meaning mysterious or magic sign, as well as from the ancient German word raunen, meaning to carve or to cut. The first runes that were discovered were carved or cut into rock faces. According to legend, the runic alphabet was formulated by the mythological god known as Odin, who was the leader of the Norse deities. He was also known as the one-eyed god in the Scandinavian underworld. Odin acquired his knowledge of the runes after hanging upside down from the uh, Yadrassel tree, I probably murdered that, for nine days and lift up the magic runes which he then used and in his travels to protect and heal those he met. There are other Greek letters or there are other theories that the runic alphabet did not originate in Scandinavia at all, but rather they came from an adaptation of Greek letters or that they are associated with Phoenician ancestry. The number of letters in the runic alphabet has ranged over the years from 16 to 31. Depending on the variations, there are also Germanic runes, Danish runes, and Swedish Norse runes. However, the most common form used now is based on the Anglo-Saxon runic alphabet, which contains 24 letters. Runic writing was in use from the 3rd century until relatively modern times, although this writing has never been a strictly utilitarian form of writing. Originally, runes were carved on rock faces. However, as tribes started traveling, they began to put the markings of small stones for ease of carrying, on small stones for ease of carrying. Later, the letters were burnt or carved into small pieces of wood. Today, runes are made up from a variety of substances, including wood, clay, or engraved metal. The letters are generally comprised of straight lines. Usually, there are no curves or ellipses, and the letters only appear on one side of the rune. The names of the letters often refer to an animal or object in nature, such as a horse or a tree because at some point it was felt that the shape of the letter, the letters resembled these objects to a certain degree. While historians and anthropologists are unclear exactly how divination was achieved by using runes, they have surmised that the runic letters are correlated with archetypical and other powerful forces in the human collective unconscious. In order to predict the future or cast a spell, the runes were cast and, in other words, thrown down, and those that land with the letters up are then interpreted. Casting of the runes may be done in a variety of ways, and the surface on which the runes are cast is referred to as the field. This field is often divided into three areas or concentric circles. Today, however, the most common method is the clock formation, also known as the wheel. The simplest runic wheel uses 13 of the runes. In order to protect the runes, they are generally stored in a bag, such as a drawstring leather bag or velvet pouch. And when beginning a casting, the bag is shaken first. Then reach in and draw out the specific number of runes that will be used. For example, if you're using 13 in the runic wheel, you would begin by placing face down the first rune in the 9 o'clock position, the second at the 8 o'clock position, and so on. The 13th rune would then be placed in the center of the runic wheel. It's a great study. And I encourage everyone to check it out, take a look, see if it um, 
see if it resonates with you and if you'd like to learn it. Now, uh, there's a gentleman on Facebook, and he is a he is a terrific rune reader. He is a shaman, and he's over in the UK. But you can look him up. He's also got courses on the runes. Like I said, remember he's in the UK, so he's in Glastonbury. Uh, but his name is Jeremy R. J. White, and uh, you can find him on Facebook. He is amazing when it comes to runes. So um, look him up, and if this type of divination resonates with you, by all means, um, check it out. Let's see, I have a caller here. 631, you're on the air with Rose. Good evening. Who am I speaking with? Um, With uh, Donna. Hi, Donna. Did I say 631? I'm sorry, I meant 613. That's okay. What can I do for you, Donna? I was just wondering if you were doing readings or not. Well, I was going to do the the um the second half of the show, but we're four minutes early, so um, I could I could uh, take a question. Sure. Um, I just have a question about a, a gentleman. I don't know if you need his name or not, but just. Yes, I do. Wonder. I need his name. Okay, um, his name is Chris. I'm just wondering if you see him and I um, spending time together in the future and um, dating, that sort of thing. Okay, so you know him, but you're not dating. Um, We had dated or spent time together before. So I'm just wondering if we'll reconnect again. Oh, so you have nothing to do with each other right now, am I correct? Yeah. And you're not communicating. Okay. Let's see. You know, it's funny because Mercury Retrograde does bring up nostalgia about past relationships and things, and uh, on occasion, it can signify the reappearance of someone who has been in your life before, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to happen, and if it does happen, think long and hard before, you know, reconnecting again, because an ex is more than more often than not, an ex in a relationship because it didn't work. And if it didn't work once, it's very slim that it's going to work a second go-round. So I'd say it's a possibility, but if and when it does happen, if he reaches out to you, think long and hard about whether or not you want him in your life again. Do you see him reaching out to me? I'm not getting a definite on that. There's, there's a lot of if in this because, again, I'm reading you now on the Mercury Retrograde rate. So maybe, maybe not. But but Spirit is saying to tell you, if it winds up that you do reconnect, think long and hard about it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Thanks for calling, Donna. Okay, here we go, back again. Uh, where was it? Oh, we just did runes. Okay. So, let's see the next, goodness, the next uh, type of divination. Well, next type of divination would be uh, cards or, well, let's let's go this way. Numerology is also a form of divination. Um, The science of numerology originated in Greek and Hebrew cultures, although the significance of numbers dates back to prehistoric times when mankind was able to sense numbers using pictures by comparing a four-legged animal to four animal skins when trading. Simply put, uh, its numerology is a mystical arithmetic system that reveals character, personality, and experience 
through the sensible progressions of numbers. There is a powerful link between letters and numbers. Divination with numbers was first devised by the ancient Egyptians who assigned magic numbers to certain letters, using them to foretell the future. Mathematicians think the Egyptians must have had a special understanding of numbers and mathematics in order to build the pyramids. It seems quite natural that they also use numbers for divination purposes. Now, everybody has at, uh, a lot, not everybody, I can't say everybody, but most people have taken a, an interest in numerology. They know what their birth path number is and, and all of that. And uh, that's a way to help you, help guide you so you know what you can expect as you go on in life and as you get older in life. So another divination method is, um, well, they have divination with, actually they have divination with dominoes. That was new to me because uh, I never knew that. But divination using dominoes is a relatively recent method. It was originally used extensively in Korea and India and often combined with gambling. By the time they migrated to Italy, the game pieces became black and white, round dots, and a complete set contained 28 rectangular pieces. The dominoes can be made of wood, ivory, bone, or ceramic. Each tile is divided by a straight line. On each side of the line is a set of dots. In order to read the dominoes, lay them face down, select three tiles at random. Some sources suggest shuffling them until they are well mixed. And then that's how you would read them. The meanings of each tile are, well, we're not going to go into every tile, but once you've selected your three dominoes, turn them face up to do the reading. And if one tile predicts loss, another tile promises prosperity. They cancel each other out. So that means you would have neither loss nor prosperity. Again, that's something, if, if it resonates with you, it's something for you to look into and, and check and see if you like it and if you are into it. Another divination method is scrying. Scrying is an ancient method of divination involving gazing into reflective surfaces such as mirrors, crystals, spheres, and water. Until a vision appears, the scrying object is also sometimes referred to as a speculum. The term scry derives from the word descry, which means to succeed in discerning or make out dimly or to reveal. Gazing meditatively at these objects enables one to focus and project imagery from within, for instance, from the mind's eye. The subconscious moves into a channeling state, thereby opening up the, psych the psyche, which is said to be influenced by phases of the moon. Some sources suggest that the visions seen are messages from the subconscious self to the conscious self. There are many purposes for the use of scrying. Among these are seeing into the future, answering questions, solving problems, tracking criminals, and finding lost persons or objects. Let's see. Also, I'm going hoarse. This practice has been traced back to near beginnings of civilization. It may have started when man first gazed into a sacred pond or river. Witches and magicians, a wise woman or a wise man, and the most common stereotype, the gypsy fortune teller, using her crystal ball, have all used scrying. Additionally, the ancient civilizations of Egyptians, Aztecs, Incas, Romans, Chinese, Arabs, and many others have all practiced this method of divination in some form. The Native American tribes, the Apache and the Cherokee, use crystals, as do the Australian Aborigines and tribes of Borneo and New Guinea. 
one one of the most renowned prophets of all time, Nostradamus, used scrying for more than 1,000 predictions he made during his lifetime. His method was to set a bowl of water on a brass tripod next to a lit candle, then dip a wand into the water and anoint himself with a few droplets. He then stared into the water until he began having his prophetic visions. He predicted events not only for his day, but also for ten centuries into the future. To avoid the threat of the Inquisition and skepticism, he wrote these predictions in rhyming verses called the quatrains, anagrams and various languages, so they were not easy to interpret. Yet over half of these predictions have come true. At this point, we're going to take a short break so I can grab some water, and um, I'll be back. You're listening to Wisdom of Spirit with Rosen Winterbrook on the Seika Network on blogtalkradio.com. Blessings be with you today and always. Came back. Sorry, that was a brief intermission. <laughs> Got my water, and at this point in time, let's see. Let's see if he's here. He is here. Okay. This is my darling friend. I'm going to bring him on. Joseph, you there? Yes, I am, Rose. Good evening. Good evening. This is Reverend Joseph Michael Genie. He is a Oh, he's a lot of things. <laughs> he is a fellow gypsy, a fellow Roma in the family. And uh, he also, aside from being an ordained minister, he has been doing psychic readings for most of his life. And uh psychic medium tarot reader, ordained spiritualist minister. And he knows a lot about divination. So, Joseph, one thing I want to ask you about, because you're yes. quite adept at palm reading. Yes. Tell my guests about palm reading. Okay, well, palm reading goes back to, from biblical times. There actually is a quote. I don't remember the exact chapter. I believe it's in Job where it says that God has planted man's destiny in the imprint of his hand. There is actually a biblical quotation. I can't remember it now where it's in, but I'll look it up at further date and give it to you and can reference it in the future. But it's been practiced in India and went to China for thousands of years. And the Roma people, gypsy people, brought it from India and throughout the Western world and Europe. And it was a very quick way of divining without using any other kind of apparatus and looking in one's hands. It tells a lot about you, which makes sense today, even medical science, as they can see different ailments by looking at the nails, the color or discoloration of your nails. You know, in the old times, we used to look at the specks of, if you had white specks on your fingernails, it meant events, upcoming changes. And today they talk about where that means you have trouble with your pancreas or something is not functioning well in one of your internal organs. So this really makes sense that God and Spirit has imprinted in mankind all these signs and symbols and ways to predict or diagnose, if you will, uh, maladies and, and future events and predictions. Another thing that I know you didn't ask about, but you know you were talking about divination. There's a form of divination that the nomadic peoples 
practiced among the Arabs and the Gypsy Desert people with sand. They're sand readings. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. Where they would take no, that I never heard of either. So there are sand readings as well. Yes, sand readings. Yeah. I used to do that as a child. I would be at the beach and I would just take sand in my hand and just let it come out. And, and then whatever I would see, the visions that it would form. And I did a lot of readings for people, you know, at random when I was a youngster. And it was amazing, the results. And also dice. You mentioned dominoes. I was thinking about dominoes, but I'm glad you covered that subject. Um, uh, you know, but uh, they also... Yeah, it's funny because I was dice. on my way to dice. It was further down on the list. Yes, yes. But getting back to palmistry, I mean, there's so much that is, is written in your hand. Uh, your health, your um, emotions, uh, and, and even, you know, today they use reflexology where they press on certain pressure points on the palm of your hand and different parts of your hands and feet. And all that is part of also, you know, ways of, of and also molds of the body. When people have different molds, phrenology, people used to read. I'm not good at that. I don't know how to read the bumps of the head. But they, years ago, that was a practice in the turn of the century, in the 19th century. A phrenology was a big thing where people would, they would feel your head and sit you in a chair and, and analyze by the shape of your skull and the bumps or lumps on your head. And it's called phrenology. So that's another form of divination. Uh, what wow. else? Palmistry also, there's chiromancy palmistry where they look at the shape of your fingers. They read the phalanx of your fingers from the knuckles down, the shapes of your nails. If it is triangular shape, there is oval shape, conical hand, square hand, which is an earth hand. You know, there's all different, uh, you know, there's a, a, a mass amount of information that one can get just by looking at your hands. I didn't know it's. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice. It's my allergies. I'm sorry, people. Uh, I didn't know until recently that the art of tea leaf reading was known as tessiomancy. Yeah, I kind of heard that name, yeah, even though I did that all myself as a child. Yeah, I kind of heard that in my travels, yes. Yes. That's new because I've always known it as tea leaf reading or, you know, yeah, whatever. Me too. But... Yeah. And then yeah, there's me... that lovely, what was she, Romanian that I used to go to years ago? She would do coffee ground readings. Yes, the coffee grind. I yes. Uh, remember Asian her? Anime. Yes. Yes. We yeah. visited. We visited her together years uh-huh. ago. You and I. Yes, she was a very good reader. Yeah. Yes. I Lovely her name. woman. Wasn't her name? I think Rose? it was Adriana. I think so. Huh? Maybe. I don't remember. Yeah, because she was. I think she was a fellow Roma. Maybe she was. She didn't openly say oh, it. No. Yeah, she's Romanian. Yeah. But. She was she was sweet. She used to read my coffee grinds for me. Um, That's the one that said I invented it like a rose. They call that <laughs> what? Chiromancy. Chiromancy is yeah is also palmistry and chiromancy. Well, Cairo Cairo was a a very a famous renowned. Um, I guess he was a, a magician. He could have been a psychic. He was an occultist. I don't know. He was an eighteenth or nineteenth century, and so they coined a, a lot of his theories and his practices. Enzo his name was, he, his real name was not Cairo, I think he was an Irishman. I talked about that on the show with Cinnamon way back when, I don't have my notes in front of me. But yeah, he was an Irishman, and I don't remember his given name, but he took the name professionally uh, as a palm reader or, or, or knowledgeable about palm reading as chiromancy, or the reading of the hands and you know, the, the shape of the hands as well as the lines in the hands. It's called chiromancy. And then we have, as I was saying, we have uh, numerology, and even astrology is a form of divination. It is, of course. And also, I mean, people And then there's the Chinese I Ching with the Ching, sticks. Right. And also there are the Afro-Caribbean... so many... I'm sorry? Yeah, the Afro-Caribbean tradition of, of casting coconut rinds and coconut shells, where people will cast, or they will use rock or stones. And throw them in a certain yeah, what, pattern. Can you tell us a little bit about the cowrie shells? How do they use those? Okay, well, the cowrie shells is a whole system. It's a whole system. Uh, they're, and basically, they use 16 cowrie shells, and there are different positions that they can fall. And the way they fall out by the number, and they roll them twice, each number, or odun as they call it, an odun, represents uh, there's a uh, a poetic saying or there is like like almost like the runes 
there is a saying attached to it, which predicts the person that's coming to inquire about his or her life or whatever problem they're seeking information or guidance about. Those orders or those numbers that come out, for example, you'll cast the cowrie shells and six mouths will come up. So the number six, which we call obara, six is the number talks about, has a lot to do with the tongue, with the mouth, with business, with work, with uh, business people, you know, economics. And then they'll cast them again, and whatever number comes up. So say, let's say six, seven comes up. And they will read because each number has a history behind it. It's also a very complicated system. It's ruled by mythology and hierarchy of gods and goddesses. And each god or goddesses rule or they, take, they claim the number. And so according to the legend, the story connected with that god or goddess's life, we kind of intertwine that with the person's destiny being read, what is going to happen, what they should be careful, watch out for, and also solutions to their problems by casting the cowrie shells. The cowrie shells are also known as the dilogun, or the mouthpieces of the gods and goddesses of the pantheon of the Yoruba gods and goddesses of Western Nigeria. So that's another way. Then Ifa is a whole other system of divination that is done by the priests of Ifa, which is also a Western Nigerian religious uh, modality, and people, you know, go to the foot of Ifa. Even Muslims, even not, that are not of Yoruba tradition, have, go to the foot of Ifa. It's very revered in Africa and in the, in the, the Middle East and, and among Arab tribes. They will consult the great oracle of Ifa, which is almost comparatively like the ancient Greek oracles. Um, what was it called now? Uh, Adelphi, the oracle of Adelphi, what was it? I can't think of the name now. The ancient Greek Hi. oracle. You know the name, Rose. I can't think of it right now. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm trying to think. Oh, well, and it's like, if, if, I know. But. I'm trying to think of the name. I can't think of it now. But anyway, they would consult the great oracle at, at one point, I don't remember, in ancient Greece. And, uh, of course, the woman and the symbols, the ancient symbols, that she would go into trance and give predictions as to what's going on in people's lives or all the leaders or the rulers of the time, the kings and all, consulted their fate or their, uh, how the outcome of their wars were going to be. And, and so that since ancient times, there's many, many forms of divination. And also the one I spoke to you earlier yeah, about. The Oracle of Delphi? Yeah, the, well, I think it's the Oracle of Delphi. Yeah, something like that. I think, well, yeah. and an oracle, but they had a lot of oracles. I don't know if yes, that's it. They did. They did. Yeah, that's the one I could think of. Um, I'm trying to think of another one. I got another question for you that everybody knows about tarot cards. But yes. uh recently came across that the tarot, is connected to the, like in the Kabbalah, the tree of life. Right. And it bridges in in one way or another, they bridge the various points of the tree of life. Have you ever heard that? Kind of, yeah, because, you know, the tarot came out of the ancient Egyptian, I believe, as it's the book of thought and the book of the dead. And all those, those wisdoms that Moses took out of Egypt that he brought to the Israelites. you got to remember, Moses was adopted uh, by the Pharaoh's daughter and became in the royalty and the knowledge, the greatest knowledge at the time in the world, the known world, and the wisdom, especially of occult and magic, uh, and the sciences were in Egypt. And Moses was educated in the mystery schools at the time. They were called the mystery schools, as we call today, secret fraternities and what have you. And when Moses left and found out of his origin being an Israelite, and he went back to his people, he brought a lot of the concepts and a lot of the wisdom and knowledge uh, that and our kind, you know, knowledge of magic and, and medicine, if you will, uh, that he, uh, you know, he brought back to the Israelites. Even the idea of the, of, um, of what's the word I'm looking for, the belief in one God, monotheism, because there were a time where the Israelites were scattered and had believed in more than one God or, or, or polytheistic. But he, he brought the idea, the concept from the Pharaoh of monotheism to the Israelites. So, I mean, there's a lot of wisdom that he brought out of Egypt. But the tarot derives from these big plates or these ivory 
uh, they were, I don't know what you call them, plates, I want to call them, ivory etchings or carvings of the book of thought, which was all the wisdom of life, the sciences, the elements, as you would know it, mathematics, all the known arcane knowledge of the world in this book of thought, or these 78 plates, which later became reduced into a deck of cards that history says that the Roma, the gypsies brought from Egypt and introduced it into the Europe, 11th century, 10th century, 11th century Europe. So we don't know. There's a lot of uh, conjecture about that and a lot of, you know, uh, debate about that. But that's as far as I can remember. Not bad for remembering. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the years take a toll, my dear. Now, okay, now I'm really going to stop you because I want to know this myself. Where does the Ouija board originate? Okay, the Ouija board, I believe, during the boom of spiritualism in the 19th century when it really came upon, rushed upon the face of the earth in Europe, the craze in Europe and in the Americas, uh, it was two words combined of we, French, and ya in, in, um, in German. What happened in spiritualist seances, oh, there was the a... Yes board. Yeah, the yes board. We, ya, we, ya, Ouija. We and ya. I'm meaning yes or no, right? Well, uh, yes and no, they put on the word, but the we. Oh, yeah, well, ya in German is yes. Yes, it's, it means yes, both. That they call the Ouija. What that derived from was that the spiritualists used to have a lot of physical phenomena with automatic writing and a lot of physical phenomena, table wrappings and table tippings. And they had devised somebody, I don't know who I want to accredit to, I don't know the actual person or more than one, they formed this kind of like planket, this tripod uh, device with a hole with a pencil in it. And people would lightly put their hands on it or fingers and they said that spirit would guide them and they would either draw or write out answers. So someone took from that and invented this kind of more, if you will, quotation marks, modern form or quicker way to commune with spirit, and they invented this Ouija board. I don't know who the event the inventor is. I never went back and really looked up the history, but I'm sure you can find it out and, and go online and research it. Some I'm guy at came up with a man or a woman, I don't know who. Show. It says the modern Ouija board, E.C. Reich, Named yeah, the board, he was the inventor. He named it Ouija because it meant good luck in Egyptian. But this word does not mean good luck in Egyptian. Even Reich stated this information was imparted to him from a spirit via the board. Nevertheless, the name stuck. And he sold his invention to Charles Kennard, who patented it in the late 1800s subsequently. Right. And the patent was sold down the line to the Parker Brothers who bought the rights and right. marketed so successfully the sales were in the millions that outsold a famous Monopoly game. Today they yep. still produce it in large numbers and it's sold in toy stores throughout the country. So it's funny because I had been told long ago never to do anything, never touch, never get involved with a Ouija board. Right. And I've stayed reason, away from it ever since. Yeah, me I too. Mean, I have it, but there's no it. way. Uh, if you don't know I've if you've never gotten on one. Well, I got on one once and never again after that. No, no. It, 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 with, in the hands of non-professional trained psychic mediums who know and understand the phenomena of spirit and apparitions and communications, it can. it's a porthole. And, it, and, and in the hands of young people... Curious-minded people, high hysterical, energetic people, high-strung, it will open a porthole, uh, and it can attract, a, you know, a lot of negative entities that you don't need. And then you have possessions, and then you have, you know, poltergeists. And, I mean, it's not evil in itself. It's not an evil tool or instrument. It's that people do not know how to control once they open that porthole. And so you're better off having seasoned mediums hold a seance, and you don't need a Ouija board. People take it as a game. But it can be very, very dangerous because it will attract... Well, that's the problem. They market it as a game, so most yeah. people think, oh, why don't we play that game? And in playing that game, you know as well as I do, when mm -hmm. you're going to open up any kind of portal or portal, whatever, where spirit can come through, you never really know what's coming through. Right. Oh, I'll give and you, you very... want to have someone there 
who knows how to distinguish and you know, if anything negative comes through we'll know how to handle it. That's right. A friend of mine Because some people think that, oh no, if I say in the light, only the light, then it is gonna be light, light, light. That's not thinking responsibly. No. What I would suggest, though, if a serious group of young men and women, or no matter what age, or people like ourselves, came together and wanted to use the Ouija board as an instrument, if you will, although we don't need them because we are experienced, you know, and you would do it the proper with the proper setting, with reverence and prayer and invocation, and you know, invoking serious-minded spirits, highly evolved spirits, then you're not going to get all that riffraff, if you will. It's like leaving your door open, you know, on a busy highway and anybody can come in and out. But if you do it in a circle of light and love and protection and healing and prayer and for a serious, you know, intention of communicating, my friend who's a very, very educated, well-educated man, retired detective, somebody gave him a Ouija board and he fooled around with it. Supposedly his mother came in and communicated or gave him a very positive message. Beautiful. After that, he started having weapons and things going on in his apartment. So he called me, and he said, would you come over? Would you do this and that? And so I said, okay. He said, I'll come and pick you up. Long story short, he got so angry, and he's a very strong, powerful man, physically very forceful man. He told the spirit to leave in an angry voice, and the weapons and all the you know, things stopped, luckily. Lucky for him because he's a very you know, powerful individual. Lucky for him, yeah. <laughs> So I asked him when I saw him, I said, Charlie, I said, you know, how is the situation in your house? He says, no, I told him, to like, get out, leave. Don't bother me. Get out of my house. You have no right being here. And they left. So, but he says his mother still communicates with him, which is fine. Okay, that's your mom. She's never going to harm you. But you can open the portal. And I tell him, please, don't play with that. Put that thing away. Hide that thing, you know. <laughs> and also, I imagine, just like... You know, when a medium is conducting a, a read for, like, a group of people or whatever, I've seen this happen. Spirits do piggyback because sometimes oh, yes. I'll be at a demo and you'll hear somebody, oh, you know, I, I get a, a woman and it's a mother who uh, was ill and the daughter took care of her. And, like, three people will put their hands up. And, and the bottom line is, you know, each one was a little different from the other, but those people in spirit – kind of correlated, like, yeah, I was sick, my daughter took care of me, but there's right. always one defining factor which right. leads you to the correct person for that spirit who wanted to come through, and then the other two who piggybacked onto that spirit, right. then the medium will go and, and talk about, you know, somebody else has their hand raised, and it might be a similar situation, and then the spirit that wanted to get to them also delivers the message through the medium. Right. So that's the way spirits who are in the light piggyback on one another. I would imagine right. a spirit who's not so much in the light could piggyback on one who is and, like, come through. Sure, sure. I, and yes, that's I why agree. it shouldn't be like, oh, let's play this game. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, sometimes a spirit comes in and it's a message for a particular individual, but it's a message that really can pertain to the whole audience where the whole audience can benefit by the message of love or the wisdom that they bring in or the enlightenment that they bring in. So sometimes, but the piggyback, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Yes, they do. Both negative and positive can piggyback, yes. Did you just say you agree with me? Because that's what I said. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. That's what I said. I agree oh, with okay, you. okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're in yes. agreement on that. Yes, um, ma'am. Okay, so we did the Ouija board, and we've got one more minute. So, oh, well, thank you for your knowledge, Joseph. Thank you for having me on. Well, I'm telling you, I could have made you a guest tonight. <laughs> Another time. Yeah. All right, thanks so much for participating, Nell. I'm losing my voice. Thank you, allergies. And as I said, we'll be back next week. Next week is the fourth. It's our monthly meditation. And Winterbrook will be back here joining us and doing the monthly meditation. Thank you all for listening. And have a wonderful weekend, a lovely week. And we'll be back next week. Bye.